This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson, and uh, you're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, Matt, um, uh, last week, uh, of course, the Steelers were immobile. The, the, you know, the, the entire brain trust was was down there. Uh did some interviews uh, with some some GM candidates, uh, and then over the weekend, uh, the New York Football Giants um, asked for and received an interview with Terrell Austin for their uh, for the defensive coordinator job. The Steelers, uh, he's been the guy who's been rumored to be the the new the next defensive coordinator the entire time here, and for whatever reason, a lot of Steeler fans don't seem to be happy about this. I know. I keep getting texts like. How predictable, how boring they promoted from within. I'm like, I don't think you understand. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is what you want to hear. This is good news. Yeah, I I don't understand that. Well, you know, they've, uh, their defense, they've given up 40 plus points in the last three playoff games. Those three games have nothing to do with each other. (laughs) That too. Right. (laughs) And he wasn't the defensive coordinator. And, you know, yeah. and I hear, well, you know, he he got fired in Cincinnati. Okay. So by that token, then Wink Martindale, who everybody wanted, he couldn't be the, the defensive coordinator because he just got he just got fired in Baltimore. And right, right, right. Brian Flores, who a lot of these people wanted, he just got fired in Miami. If you can't hire a coach or uh, to be your your any any job on your roster because he's been fired somewhere else. You're not going to have oh, any geez. candidates. You have That's none. A coaching thing, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they've all been fired. I mean, <laughs> uh, um, Martindale to me was one. I just wanted to side note. It didn't make any sense. You got to redo a defense that's pretty set up. I mean, you, your first round pick would almost have to be a corner. You know, like it, that would really change the way you build your defense. You know, from just roster wise. So that made no sense to me at all. No, uh, and I, again, you, you you have to look at the fit. You have to like, I, I, um, late last week, uh, somebody said it's, it was the same thing. Uh, I, I wrote a story. Bruce Arians told his, his coaching staff in Tampa, uh, that they, they were free to interview elsewhere, even if it wasn't for, uh, you know, a, a, an advancement because, okay. because of the Brady situation and, and everything that's happening in Tampa Bay. And so I wrote that, uh, you know, maybe the Steelers would be interested in Larry foot to come oh, back okay, as their outside right. linebackers coach. He's been the outside sure. linebackers coach the last three years in Tampa. He's done a pretty good job with those guys. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, maybe they'd like to bring him back and interview him as their outside linebackers coach because Keith Butler also did that. Right. People forget he, had, he wore two hats here. Right. And somebody said, well, they should go after Todd Bowles as their defensive coordinator. Well, Again, it would be a complete philosophical change. First of all, the Steelers don't want to be reliant on the Blitz. No, right, right, right. There, um, again, Bowles is similar in that he is a high blitz guy that is a 4-3 base, not the 3-4 four and 4-3 four, matter that much anymore, puts his corners on islands a lot, well, and plays a lot of man coverage, which, yeah, the Steelers can do, but you would have to add things to really let Bowles do what he wants. And frankly, I don't think Todd's interested in taking a lateral defensive coordinator job. I mean – he wants to be a head coach again, if anything. Right, right, right. Yeah, so the same thing with Brian Flores. Brian right. Flores yeah, wants to be a head coach again. Right. Um, 
But I, 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 I get this question constantly as well, Matt. Maybe the Steelers should go to a 4-3 a defense. Maybe it's time they do that because uh, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith are too light to play, to play def, uh, outside linebacker. I'm like, they're the same size as defensive ends around the league and who play in a 4-3. Yeah, yeah. And 3-4 and 4-3 doesn't even matter. Doesn't make any, it doesn't make any difference. Um, right. and, and really, all you would be doing is now you need different linebackers. You need a different style of linebacker. If you do that, second level guys, you're talking second about. level guys, mm-hmm. you get to have you, now you now need instead of having two guys who can r- run and cover in the middle of your defense, you now need three. Right. You need and a strong would, side, a strong side, a, a true middle linebacker and a weak side linebacker. They have a hard enough time finding two at the moment. You know what I mean? So you're really adding to that need. And it wouldn't be like, well, then you don't have to draft defensive linemen. I mean, you still need to address the ability to stop the run with some beef as well. And then all of a sudden, you're looking for 265-pound edge guys, 270-pound edge guys that look like Miles Garrett. Well, that doesn't do you any good because you have good edge guys. You know, you're not trying to replace those two. Uh, I I don't understand that logic. I mean, I I think what the Steelers have implemented on defense, terminology, fronts, all those things has worked as well as any defense in the league for generations now. Yeah, I I don't get it. I think continuity in this case is, is key. Yeah. Um, One if, scheme's not better than the other. No, I mean, and, and you, you run know. you run hybrid versions of all of it, anyways. Sure, you're and, a nickel and, most of the time. And to, yeah, to be quite frank, you're you're a, the Steelers are a nickel defense, as are most of the teams in the league. Yeah, yeah. Some are their, dying, you know. Right? Yeah, that's their that's their main. I mean, if you really broke it down, team by team, the highest percentage of defense played in the NFL today is nickel. No, oh, I mean, like the Bills play like it's probably like eight percent. I guarantee the league as a whole plays the nickel defense more than 50% of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a couple teams that don't play nickel. They'll go from base right to dime. I mean, every team's a little different, and there's some that don't even go to dime. But five defensive backs on the field is the way that all of us have to think about defense. When you're thinking about fits, don't think about what the the, the three, four front looks like. Sure, they're going to play some of it. But the majority of the snaps are in nickel. I mean, that's a, it, it's a misnomer that base is base. Base is nickel. You know what I mean? Like base right. is called the wrong thing. Base should be called short yardage or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's your, yeah. Uh, that's really just your, and it's not even all the time, but your first and 10 defense. But that assumes that the offense isn't playing three wide receivers. Right, right. I mean, against the. It, it so happens in this division, the Ravens and Browns are a little heavier with their offensive personnel groupings. You know, the Browns are a real heavy extra tight end and even 13 personnel with three tight end, the offense and the Ravens traditionally have been, they don't have the tight ends to pull it off now, but they'll, they play a ton with a 300 pound fullback. So it, it, it can't be ignored that you have four games a year against big power teams and this division's always going to be physical you know so yes you need big people we're, we're not implying you just want a lot of speed on the field and you want a lot of little people but still the majority of the snaps you play are with five defensive backs on the field and, and here's where it gets interesting for the Steelers is that well the Cincinnati Bengals will play in the Super Bowl this weekend mm-hmm. uh, against the Rams and so, you know, they're the, they're the division champions. So for years, you've, uh, the Steelers have designed a defense by and large. Okay. We're going to, 
we need to be able to be physical against the Ravens, most notably, and to some, you know, level the Browns. Sure, they run the ball really well because they they run the ball really well. But now y'all, you still have to be able. It, it's it's the 2017 argument all over again. The Steelers went into 2017 2017 season thinking, okay, we just lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. We have to figure out a way. We have to build our defense to beat the Patriots. We have to get faster on the. We have to be able to play more man defense on the outside um, and do those things. So we got to get a lighter and faster. We got to be able to cover this these these quick little slot receivers, the Edelmans of the world. Yeah. What do we so, do about Gronk? Yeah, we got to have somebody be able, capable of covering Gronk. <clears throat> so you get lighter on the inside, lighter and faster, and then you run into the Jaguars twice that season. And they're a power running team. And you couldn't stop them. Yeah. There's a lot to unpeel there. Because first of all, I didn't mention the Bengals and I planned on it because they're very different. They are certainly since Taylor has been there as the head coach, they've been at the top of the league in 11 personnel with three receivers, one tight end, one back. This year they started using a second tight end a lot more. But I think that's because their offensive line is so bad. You know, that was their only way to help them. They pulled Boyd off the field and put an extra tight end out there. But if they improve their O-line, I would imagine they're going to be a three-wide team a high percentage of the time. I'm not sure if people realize this, and it doesn't apply to the Steelers' defense, but the Steelers' offense is the second highest percentage of 11 personnel in the league to only the Rams. You know, So the Steelers really live in three-wide more than most teams do. But that, or at least fact, have. Maybe, yeah, that, I mean, maybe that change is moving forward. I bet it does to some degree. I mean, but the wide receivers been the strength of the offense. So that makes some sense. Um, they don't vary their personnel groups very much, neither do the Bengals. Um, but you mentioned like the Patriots and the Patriots defense now is a big physical defense, but the Bills are a bad matchup for them because they're in three and four wide all the time. And they live in that. Yeah. They live in that, you know, and I thought the Patriots big heavy offense would be a bad matchup for the bills because they live in nickel, but they've managed a way around it. And they're just more talented too, you know? So, you know, a lot of these matchups are really interesting to me when you live outside the box. I mean, in, in the end, you want to be able to do everything. And that's why you draft a guy like Bush that can, um, he hasn't worked out exactly as planned, but that's the value in those type of defenders. Even, you know, the, the defensive tackle situation, they need to stop the run, but that run stuffer that they add or don't should still be able to push the pocket a little bit. I mean, if yeah. it's third and four, he should not be useless. Right. He can't, you know, if you're going to live again, live in nickel, uh, yeah. your defense, your nose tackle better be more like Javon Hargrave than right. Casey Hampton. Hargrave to me is the mold. I mean, like not Steed, not Hampton, not Wilfork. If you can find a Hargrave like player and that's not going to grow on trees. I mean, we know that that's a hard guy to find, but I also think some of these dudes like Jones from Yukon that aren't going to run, you know, win foot races, but can walk centers back into the pocket and are really hard to move. Certainly have some value for this defense too. Yeah. Especially if they can, at times, if let's say you put them over over your center, you put them mm-hmm. over one of the guards, and that guy he just can't handle him by himself. Right, right. That has value. I mean, if you're gonna if he's able to shove the the quarter the the guard or the center back into the the quarterback, and then all of a sudden 
He's demands, rolling towards Watt or yeah, Smith. Or, you demands know, some double line. teams. You, you have TJ Watt. You have Cam Hayward. Mm-hmm. If that guy can can at times demand a double team or at least make things difficult for a team who doesn't double team him, that has value. That has value. Like, for example, if you were playing the Steelers this year and you had a guy like Jones or the huge dude from Georgia and you lined him up over Kendrick Green, he may not be the best player in your front, but that particular center is going to have a hard time with that player. And now all of a sudden Cam has two and a half sacks that day. And, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a ripple effect. Yeah, I, I know Chris Wormley, for example, had a good year pass rushing the passer this year. Mm-hmm. We did that because he was getting one-on-ones constantly. Constantly. And he always will. I mean, right. Which is great. I mean, it, defensive linemen that win one-on-ones have value. I mean, there's no question about that. But if you can do a little more, all of a sudden the Wormleys of the world start to get, you know, productive, you know, years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of Austin taking over, I don't expect any massive change in the defensive scheme, nor no. should you. I mean, no, well, it's a really good defense. I, I, I just don't I just don't get the idea. That, well, Mike Tomlin's been calling a lot of the defenses. F- first of all, Mike Tomlin is the head football coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bill Cower called defenses for the Steelers as well. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but sometimes he would he would interject just as he did with offenses. I think we had uh, Bob Labriola on what, two weeks ago, and he talked about that, you know, where, where Cower would tell Kim Wisenhunt, no, we're not running that, run something else. Or, or I want to run the football here. Yeah. That's what head coaches do across the league. That's, you know, that's their job. That's their job. They, 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 they have the final control. Running. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, so, you know, it, it could be sacks a million years in a row. Like, things are going well here. It might have been the best defense in the league just a year ago. I'm not going to excuse injuries. That's not, the, you know, but they did exist this year. I, I don't think scheme changes are needed. I'm sure that they will change them some things and the way that they uh, approach things. Cause it's a new guy in charge of the whole side of the ball, but they're not going to be drastic. I mean, I, I think it's more, the issues that they had on defense to me were more personnel than scheme. And, and really it's right up the middle. It was, well, you know, I, I also think it was this Matt. Um, when you don't fear the Steelers' offense, oh, you're able to consistently just stick with the run. Uh, that makes a difference too. You know, back in the days, uh, you know, in like 2001, for example, when when the the, the Patriots and, and Raiders just opened the season up, throwing the ball like crazy against the Steelers, they did that because they knew, okay, hey, we we can't run the football against these guys. Mm-hmm. That's one, you know. So they didn't try. That doesn't mean the Steelers were great stopping the run. We never really – a lot of times you don't get to know that. Right. And if you're because, three and out time and time again, right. you just give people more cracks at running the football, it's going to work. And they know, for example, the Lions game, when things really started to go Perfect south. Game. Right. The Lions knew <clears throat> that if they could, could – you know, they didn't run the ball well in the first half of that game. No. It's, you know, really started late in the or midway through the second quarter. They, 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 they ran the ball a little bit. They said, hey, we can do this. And they're not scoring points. If you're putting touch, if you're scoring touchdowns, the other team is not going to be able to run the football. No, or be consistently. You know, but if you don't, if you don't fear the other team, if you don't think, hey, they can't put up more than 20 against us, we could just uh, stick with our running game here. And we're going to bring in an extra lineman to do it. And we're going to just pound the way at the, with the football here because, well, they're, uh, 
even last year, the Steelers weren't a great run stopping team. No, no, they were built. But the what they the did, yeah, right. what they did was stop the run on the way to the passer. And mm-hmm. so they led the league in, in tackles for a loss. Well, that's where you stop the running game. Okay. You're going to give up five, six, five, six, but then it's a three yard loss. And now the, now the quarterback's behind the chains. Well, now you can't run the football. Right. Right. Setting yourself up to get sacked or an interception, yeah. you know, all that stuff. I'm glad you mentioned the Lions games. That's a perfect example because the Steelers team and not the Steelers defense, the Steelers team allowed the Lions to play the only way they could, you know, and therefore they were in a tight game. What's inexcusable to me is how you start the Vikings game. You know, I mean, there's a couple of those instances. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the stuff that can't happen anymore is, boy, there's just holes that you and I could get two or three yards through at the beginning of the game, you know. Uh, no matter what your offense is, you can't start games like that against anyone. Um, I'd be shocked if that keeps up, though. I mean, I'm sure stopping the run is going to be a priority. And though I bet there's a new linebacker and I bet there's a new big person on the defensive line and or a Lou into it. That'll be, you know, an improvement. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, and some of that, you know, you mentioned the Vikings game. It also happened against the Bengals, um, you know, right. where you're playing a team that, hey, we against the Vikings, we can't let Justin Jefferson beat us in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're playing the Bengals, hey, we gotta, we can't let Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins beat us in this game. So you play a little lighter up front. You play a little a little less. You're not you're not playing Seattle eight, comes to mind. Yeah, too. you're not playing eight no in the default. box. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, you know the safeties are playing deeper. You know, make a Fitzpatrick's twenty five yards down. You know, off the line of scrimmage because hey, we can't let these guys get deep on us. You're going to give up a little bit more running. What you can't give up though, or as you mentioned against in that Vikings game, you can't give you know give up five twenty yard runs. No, right, right. <laughs> that's gaping, that's ridiculous. Gaping holes. I mean, that was yeah. a bad run defense as I can remember seeing in the league. I wonder, I mean, I, again, Tomlin's going to be in charge of the defense, but will they, this past year, more than I can remember, they tried to take away a number one, Adams, Waller, whomever. Will they do less of that with Butler gone and Austin in? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, maybe yeah. that's one thing that changes a little bit is how you, you game plan for your opponents. I'll say this. I mean, they were pretty successful doing it. I say it wasn't bad. I mean, the run defense was the only problem to me with the defense. I mean, they still had a ton of sacks. They, they had a fair amount of takeaways, and they're developing some young players. The, some of the run defense issues were big problems, and you can't not blame the offense for some of that, too. No, right. I mean, they, they play hand-in-hand. Hand. It all ties together. Uh, again, if, if your offense is putting up 28 points a game, our team's going to be you know, consistently just saying, hey, we're content to run the football here because we know that the first team to 20 wins. No, right. they're going to they're gonna have to throw a little bit more. Yeah, um, produ- produce a few more first downs and two or three more minutes of time of possession. And, you know, I mean, give the defense a little bit more of a breather. And those depth guys aren't used as quite as many snaps. I mean, it's all complimentary, of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm not be picking a, on yeah. Ben, but a good quarterback makes the whole team better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of that, going back to our, our conversation in the first segment is having a quarterback with some mobility, um, sure, you know, the, sure. the ability, uh, you know, it's third and five um, and okay. He runs for it. Yep. Get six. Yeah. yeah. Like again, you're, you're, you're possessing the football. That's just that extra, as you like to call it, the cheat code. Um, yeah, you know, right. many times you're referring to that as something, um, 
for fantasy football, but it's a cheat code for NFL teams too. You can't equate for it all. I mean, it really. If the, if the the other thing about it is if if the opposing team then has to spy your quarterback, right? That's, that's somebody you're taking out of coverage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's it just presents a lot of problems. I mean, I'm not picking on Ben, but him as your quarterback makes your offense easy to play against. It just did. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's very much it. like you know, right. you know playing the Falcons right now. You right, know, you, right, you know right. where Matt Ryan's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, now that they don't have the the you know outstanding uh, two or three receivers, like, they're much easier to play against. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And yeah, Ben and Ryan's mind goes a long way, and they know where things are coming, but uh, the body can't cash the checks anymore either. You know. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, we'll see what kind of changes uh, you know Terrell Austin might want to bring to this uh, again. Uh, I don't think it's coincidence that three of the four people that Mike Tomlin interviewed for his defensive coordinator job were secondary coaches. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah, that makes some sense. I mean, to be honest, Austin to me is good news. You know, like that's in terms of non-player movement, we're going to see GM coaching changes, things like that. That one to me checks the right box. Good. I, I'm more interested in the the hires coming than this one. I mean, to me, this was a pretty easy decision. I, it, I, I, yeah, and and the people saying, well, you know, th- doing that just another internal hire. Okay, so when you bump Terrell Austin up to defensive coordinator, coordinator you're going to add a new secondary coach from outside the organization. from outside the organization. You're going to add a new outside linebackers coach from outside mm-hmm. the organization. So that's two new hires on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Morgan left last week to go to the Chicago Bears. So now you're also going to hire a new uh, offensive line coach. Offensive line coach. And you're going to hire a new offensive line assistant coach. And both of those guys are going to come from outside the organization. So you're going to have four new coaches from outside the organization this year. They're going to bring in those new ideas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just And that defensive back coach that they hire – might be Austin's successor if he's a head coach three years from now. And people will be like, well, why would you bring, you know, bring him in from within? Why'd you, why'd you bump that guy up from within? Well, just like Austin a couple of years ago, he was brought in just not as a coordinator for his new ideas. It's not like they have this farm system of Steeler coaches and that's the only place they shop. Yeah. And I, and I just think, again, the continuity factor does matter. Um, Very much so. You know, if you look at Mike Tomlin is now, he'll have had three defensive coordinators, Dick LeBeau, Keith Butler, and Terrell Austin. Three mm-hmm. in 15 Radio years. Right. In <laughs> 15 years. You, yeah. you know, he's, he's had four offensive coordinators in that not time that span. Uh, it's just not, a, you know, so uh, that goes back to the coaching tree stuff too as well. Um, you know, people talk about, well, Mike Tomlin doesn't have much of a coaching tree. Well, who gets hired? for head coaching jobs, coordinators, right? You right, don't right. see many secondary coaches get go go from being a sec secondary coach to being a, to being head, a yeah, head right. coach. So if you've only had three defensive coordinators in 15 years, and you've only had four offensive coordinators in 15 years, one of your offensive coordinators is now a head coach. That only leaves six guys <laughs> to get plucked, right, <laughs> to right, get right. plucked. And, you know, Dick LeBeau wasn't going to be a head coach again. No. Keith, Keith Butler wasn't going to be a head coach, right? You know, closer retirement than 
bumping up the head coaching world. You know, Todd right? Haley, you know, I, I love Todd Haley, but the way that, that Todd left Kansas City. We've seen that. You know, he. We've seen that, that movie he, before. He had, he had made some accusations against the Chiefs about, like, tapping his phones in his office and things of that nature. He wasn't getting another head coaching job. No, nor do I think he's going to. You know, excel in the interview. He's not on any of the list anymore either. I mean, we've seen that routine and he's a coordinator. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it, how it goes. So, you know, the, the whole coaching tree thing, I, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm done with it. Uh, I think it's ridiculous, but whatever. No, um, right. You know, the, the Belichick coaching tree is really working out well. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see what Josh McDaniel does this, this time around in the, with his second go around as a head coach, but Sure. Um, anyway, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that Terrell Austin is, is elevated here. Uh, Terrell's a, a bright oh. guy, uh, is well felt, is well thought of, uh, of around the league. I Big mean, he's, he's had like 11 head coaching interviews. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of turmoil discussion, rightfully so, about not enough African-American head coaches in the league. There's only yeah. 32 spots and there's not enough. The ratio doesn't add up obviously. And one of the many names is Austin. Like, why isn't, you know, you hear Biennemi, Austin, you know, like these are guys that are very qualified to be head guys, let alone defensive coordinators. Why aren't they? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a, a bigger, well, that's a bigger subject than, than you and I. Of course. And I, don't, I wasn't answer. even tackling that. I'm just saying yeah. that he, he's, but he's one of the many names that national folks are saying this guy should be a head coach by now. So you folks that are listening and saying, boy, he's not good enough to be our defensive coordinator. You're bonkers. Yeah, I agree. I think it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyways, we're going to take another break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to the drive here on Steelers nation radio. We'll be back with more right after this.